Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdahl. C70 is about at C70 on Twitter with me as always. Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on the uh, Twitters. Um, we're coming to you on Sunday night like we usually do. Cardinals a game and a half out of first, out of first, in first, thankfully, after a win today against the Brewers. We can talk a lot about all, all that in a bit, Tara, but we first... We got to talk about Albert Pujols, right? <laughs> Two home runs today, four RBI, um, sitting now at what uh, six eighty nine yeah. uh, on his career. Uh, you know, when when he was signed back in March or whenever yeah, that was, we all kind of thought this is a you know it's nice. He and, and there was some talk about how much value he could have. I don't think anybody really thought they would see, especially a second half like we're seeing out of Albert Pujols. No, and I don't think anyone would have been upset to just sort of have the nostalgia, unless we started seeing the nostalgia costing the Cardinals games because uh, you're sort of searching for those Albert Pujols moments. Right. Uh, you don't have to search for them if he's going to hit like he has since the beginning of July, and especially at home in big games. I mean... That second home run today, I, I, it was one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time. And I think for me, that was the moment that brought back a lot of the nostalgia, just in the sense of, wow, I saw this a lot when he mm -hmm. was a Cardinal the first time. And I don't know if it's just because of the, the time and the fact that, you know, baseball doesn't stop so that you can cement the memories of a legend once they go somewhere else. And, you know, we've sort of just moved on. And we talk about the current teams so much that we don't necessarily take a ton of time to reflect on just how incredible Albert was in those first 11 years. But it, that one swing, all of it came flooding back <laughs> in that one moment because he walked up to the plate. And I said to my husband, as we were watching, I said, this is one of those classic clutch Albert Pujols type scenarios. Is he still that guy? He may not mm -hmm. be the Albert Pujols of old in a lot of ways, but is he still clutch? And almost before I could finish saying that, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the sound off the bat, the, the, the reaction by Albert, the complete lack of reaction by the left fielder who just mm -hmm. kind of stood there, <laughs> didn't even make an attempt. The crowd, the, I mean, everything, it was, it was, that's the most exciting moment for me in a game in a, a really long time. And I guess in part it's because of the nostalgia, but because at the same time, it's, it's not just for the memories. It's still mm -hmm. very much happening right now in big important games where you know you think okay who else who else in that lineup today could have reacted and responded better to that moment and you know sure you you repeat that moment eight times and you're going to probably get this result once but it seemed so fitting for the moment and for the team and for Albert to not just come back to St. Louis as a sort of has been, but to actively be part of pushing this team towards its first division title in a while. And who knows what beyond that. So to see them coming together, of course, not exactly the week they would have liked to have from the beginning of it all the way through, but 
to finish off that series at home against the team that they're that right now is chasing them for the division, but that could change very quickly. It was, like I said, one of the coolest baseball moments for me in a really long time. Yeah, I mean, the the home run by Dylan Carlson to break the tie was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was obviously a huge moment as well, and I think without the rest of that inning, it's it's a big deal, right? Um, but now we don't <laughs> don't even really think about it. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, just to be able to tie back to those to those moments that those extra that that the language that we've seen that from Pujols, you know, in 2008 2009 in a situation like that you would have almost guaranteed that he was going to hit a home run yeah um so to see him come up yeah i was i was sitting there processing and i'm like okay well there's a lefty up but he's already hit a home run i mean is he can he and you know like you said first swing blasted it out of the ballpark and yeah i mean we had this conversation a while back in the first half you know because he went what like three four weeks without a home run and we're like do you, you know every home run you start thinking is this the last albert Pujols from run yeah yeah you know, i don't think we think that as much anymore i mean it could be i mean we're getting into you know mid-august now and so at some point in time yes we will see the last albert Pujols home run but i don't think it's because we think he's this shell of a person that can't do it anymore it's some point in time he's going to run out of calendar space um you know we don't i don't think anybody necessarily expects him now to end his career at 689 he could but i don't think it's an expectation whereas earlier in the year you know if he hit one it's like okay that's great but that could be the last one i mean that's what we saw out of matt carpenter last year right i mean he i mean and obviously matt carpenter's a different short this year but he hit a home run in like i think it was the beginning of may and that was the last time um so, and, you know, to be fair, we may have already seen the last Yadier Molina home run. We don't, yeah. we don't know. But so to have these moments and to be able to see them, it's, it's outstanding. And, and to do it, I mean, on the biggest stage, I, it's very interesting. You know, the, the whole Jersey thing that he was doing, you know, everybody kind of jumped at this. Oh, it's a Superman, you know, pulling the shirt. Okay. That's cool. I immediately thought, man, Mendo Sosa made an impact in that clubhouse. You know, it was that whole, I'm like, what, what were we, you know, signaling to, to Sosa or something. I don't know. But uh, so, and, and I think that's the difference too, right? I mean, we are seeing Albert Pujols play emotional baseball, yeah, which is not what we saw, you know, the first 10 years, right? He would, or the 11 years, whatever, he was, you know, the machine, the gold, the calculator. He was focused. He was driven. He is, he's being emotional this right this time around, knowing that this is the last go around, and it's it's adding something to the whole mix. Yeah, and apparently, even the the chase for seven hundred isn't swaying him from <laughs> continuing to say, "No, nah, it's all right. This is this is the last ride." And maybe that's where a lot of that emotion comes from. I honestly, though. And this is pure assumption. It's impossible to say and maybe a little bit unfair, but I don't know if the emotion would be the same if he was riding into the sunset on the West Coast or yeah. anywhere else for that matter, right? And that's not to, to, to deny the success that he had in other places, although it certainly isn't comparable to those first 11 years. No one would 
pretend that it is. It's not to say there were not exciting or emotional moments with other teams or that he didn't have uh, that kind of teammate connection with other players. But something is different with Albert in St. Louis. And and I don't think there's any way to deny that. Now, I didn't watch Albert as closely when he was mm-hmm. uh, with the Angels or with the Dodgers. So it's not like I can speak with a lot of authority on how emotional he was or wasn't. Um, but there's a lightness to Albert that hasn't necessarily been there before. Even like you said, when he was in St. Louis, he was so focused and so um, intent on the the job at hand and that hasn't gone away but he's yeah. sort of added a new layer of taking in the moment which is a lot of fun to watch and I think it creates an opportunity for moments like today where yeah it was fun in the moment and not only are we saying oh I wonder if that's his last home run I think a lot of us are trying to do the quick math and figure mm-hmm. out how he can possibly get <laughs> to that <laughs> 700 home run mark um, you know in the next month or so and that not likely to, to say the least but um, it's cool to at this point be saying, wow, you know, he's a lot closer to that mark in one season than I thought he was going to get when, you know, the first couple of home games of the season, every at that, it was, he's this many home runs away from oh. 700. And it was like, okay, right, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, base hit will be fine. <laughs> um, and in fact, I think that's actually what I was in the middle of saying when he came up to the plate right. today was, I, uh, sure, a home run's great, but we, we don't need a home run. Just, just you know, something in the gap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really need the the gap at that point. But um, yeah, the emotion, I think, is part of what draws us all into that story. And and even people who maybe were still not super high on bringing Albert back for one reason or another um, can get caught in how much fun it is to see him create moments like that in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, we saw a little bit of this, I think last year when he went to the Dodgers. um, Yeah. Leaving, leaving the angels. The whole angels thing. It just, you know, he's there for 10 years. I mean, he had this great time and uh, et cetera, but I don't think it just went the way it had a lot of expectations on him. But yeah, we didn't, you know, when Albert hit 500 or 600 or past Willie Mays at 660, I don't, you know, I think we noticed it, but it wasn't, there wasn't even, I don't think even baseball wide necessarily the big celebration that, that we're seeing this year. Um, you know, and some of that is just knowing the end is coming. And some of that is, you know, he's chasing down the top names ever to play the game. So um, yeah. Yeah. 11 home runs in six weeks. You're going to have to see a lot of lefties. <laughs> I, I think that's um, the case and maybe see some managers make questionable decisions like we saw uh, today, because mm-hmm. the fact that Albert Pujols got to hit against a left-hander uh, in the eighth inning seems problematic if I'm a Brewers fan. Thankfully, well, I'm not. And on the flip side, leaving Albert in against not a lefty mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier in the game, right? As opposed to right. someone who could have come off the bench, um, then created that opportunity, which was asked about post-game. And Ali Marmol basically was like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> kind of just worked out that way but we had reasons for what we were doing hoping to to save our options for later in the game and then the option that they needed was was still in the game as it went so yeah when you get back to the baseball of the next six weeks (laughs) uh, there's a lot to be determined more so than just can we get albert to seven home 700 home runs um 
But it's, like I said, it's cool to even have that in the back of your mind at this mm-hmm. point because it seemed like such a far-fetched idea. Honestly, even six weeks ago, right? Before yeah. this, you know, last month of baseball, it was like, yeah, okay, he's going to hit one every now and then, but it's not really a thing. And, you know, he's hit well enough in the last month that I don't necessarily worry when he gets a start or, you know, when he's at the plate that it's a, a, a bad decision by the manager at this point, which I think a lot of people maybe were afraid it would be when the Cardinals signed him for this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a lot of ideas that he was going to be out there no matter much like we've seen, you know, at times with Yachty and stuff like that. Um, And it hasn't been the case. Like you said, since July 1st, not counting today, which is going to just increase these numbers. um, He's in 323. He has an OPS of 960. He has four homers and nine RBI in 16 starts, 25 total games. Um, You know, again, that's, I mean, those are numbers that, I think I saw Bernie Nicholas did a, you know, kind of a same type of sample size. And though the OPS numbers, especially compared extremely favorably to his greatest seasons of (laughs) over that same type of span. Um, Albert has always had a a little bit of a flair for the dramatic and he's, he's showing it again here, but the team is not all Albert Pujols. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, there's a lot other people that's really kind of cool too. Um, we saw that this weekend and it, this weekend was it, I guess it was the series that you would expect, right? Out of these two teams that have kind of shown themselves. I think we can continue to think that the Cardinals have the edge on the Brewers, but these two teams aren't separated. They're separated by a game and a half in the standings. They may even be closer than that when you put the two teams together. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because they win in different ways. And, you know, if you compare the roster side by side, they don't, it's not like they're made up the same way necessarily. Um, And I think it's, it's interesting seeing the Cardinals play the Brewers with this kind of confidence that they have right now. Because even in the last couple of years where the Cardinals have won against the Brewers, particularly when the standings were very close, it felt like more of a sigh of relief than mm. a reaction of celebration, right? It was like, oh, okay, I got past that. And I think even in the the loss of the gem of a start from Adam Wainwright, which should never have happened, right. <laughs> but through the, the series entirely, it felt like the Cardinals were playing with that kind of mentality that they were never really out of it. They were never you know, it wasn't like, oh, okay, well, we just got to get through this one and then try again tomorrow. And too many times in the last handful of years, that's sort of been the feeling when they get down earlier, when, you know, they have a lead and then lose it or, or whatever it might be a variety of ways that that feeling can be induced. Um, but these, this series felt like, yes, we won that not, okay, we got away with that. And, I know that that's not a thing that you can put on paper. There's That's not a statistical analysis of anything. Um, but it, it feels like this team is just continuing to grow in that confidence when you continue to see Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado hitting well at the same time. You see Tyler O'Neill start to come up with some big hits. As you mentioned, Dylan Carlson, um, who has kind of been on that uh, bubble of, yes, we can depend on him. Oh, he might struggle a little bit. And then you add back into that mix uh, uh, 
Paul DeYoung, who has been very effective since he came back up to the big leagues. And all of a sudden, this team feels a lot less stretched, I guess, Mm -hmm. Uh, stretched thin and feels a lot more like, okay. All right. If if Dylan Carlson doesn't do it, it's okay. If Paul Goldschmidt doesn't do it, it's okay. There are other options, and that's not to say they're without their flaws or without their challenges, as evidenced <laughs> by the the loss in the Adam Wainwright start and some weird things that happened there, and some bullpen issues that are continuing to creep up and cause some uh, nervous moments, to say the least. But uh, this was a fun series because it didn't feel like. It didn't feel lopsided necessarily, but it also felt like from a Cardinals fan perspective, they were never out of it at any moment. And it, it that's a good feeling when the lineup is that deep and when the starting pitching is that good that you feel like, oh, okay, all right, this is this isn't <laughs> it's an important series, but it's it's not um quite as as terrifying as it has been in years right. past. Right. And it, it, it helped that, you know, I think you missed some of the, at least some of the starters that have caused the Cardinals problems in the yeah. past. So you still had Corbin Burns, of course, but, um, and, you know, the end of the bullpen is a little bit different for the Brewers now. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing is that you trust this offense better. I mean, yeah. when you've got yeah. Pujols in there as well, but mostly, you know, Goldie and Arenado and then whoever else might come up. And you wonder, I I mean, what do you, th- I'll ask you what you think. We saw both Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson hit home runs today, big home runs, big, important home runs. Mm-hmm. Those are two guys that have struggled quite a bit over the last uh, you know, two weeks, three weeks or so. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, especially since he's come off the injured list for the second or third time, whatever this was this year. Um, is that a, okay, we're getting on track moment, or is that just a, well, they hit him here, but that doesn't necessarily solve the problem? Well, I don't think it necessarily solves the problem in a single game, but we, I mean, it gives them something to build off of. And especially to do it in big moments like that, I think allows them to... Well, two things. Not only does it allow them that perspective of, hey, I, I contributed in a really big moment in a really big way for this team. Um, it also just is further evidence that you, you know, you can't take a batter off with this lineup. Right. So if you're the opposing pitching staff, it's not as if you can just pitch around uh, whoever is in front of Tyler O'Neill, Right. Because at any given moment, even if it's not every single moment, that's what he's capable of. And he's done it, you know, a couple of times since he came back um, off the injured list and, you know, not as often as he would like to. And he's certainly had his, his struggles um, getting some sort of consistency back. But I think for me, it just, even if it doesn't solve the problem entirely, right, it still acts as a way to solidify that this lineup does have depth and it can um, fill in some of those gaps where, and and you just said it too. It doesn't have to be Dylan Carlson every time. It doesn't have to be Tyler O'Neill every time. It doesn't have to be Paul DeYoung or Albert Pujols every time. If Paul Goldschmidt and Olin Arenado are doing what they do with a consistency that is very rare in this game, 
in 2022 especially it just has to be one of those other guys <laughs> maybe right. two of those other guys it doesn't have to be them every single day and i guess what I'm almost saying is the reverse of what we said for so long about Harrison Bader or even back to the days of like a like a Pete Cosma type, right, who was defensively minded. We've said it about Paul DeYoung at times, too, where, you know, if and even even Colton Wong in those early years, if the rest of the lineup was doing what it's supposed to, that at bat doesn't stand out as much. This is almost the reverse of that. <laughs> if Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are going to keep doing what they're doing it doesn't have to be all on the shoulders of Dylan Carlson to live up to this unrealistic expectation every time, because it could be Carlson. It could be O'Neill. It could be DeYoung. It could be, you know, on and on down the list. And all of a sudden you have so many more options that a day like this is great. I think it moves them both in the, the right direction, but whether or not it solves the problems, I think it just, Uh, stays in the back of minds a bit more once you see how dramatically they can impact a game and and they remember hey you're (laughs) you're definitely good enough (laughs) to do this and to do it really well right because i mean that's what ollie marmal said about paul DeYoung in the yankee series right he left him up there to see if he could get the big hit because that kind of confidence is just you know you can't do you can't buy that kind of confidence and so yeah getting those kind of moments today um, hopefully that does spur them a little bit. Probably helps as well. They're not necessarily going to see great pitching for another couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> They'll take the Rockies, that. <laughs> yeah, with the Rockies, D-backs, and Cubs, uh, the next three opponents that they see. So, um, you know, hopefully that helps you know, maybe get them a little bit on track as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, this lineup is definitely a, a – even if a guy like Carlson or a guy like O'Neill is struggling – you can't just automatically write it off um, because about the time you strike out Tyler O'Neill for three times is when he'll, mm-hmm. you know, get you for that the fourth time he can get you a long ball or, you know, a double or a triple or whatever he can do something. And, I, and hopefully, you know, if they get clicking and the other guys are hitting as well, this, this team is very, very dangerous. And in part, like you said, we've seen now what two rotations through the starting line, uh, starting rotation, two turns through the rotation, I guess is the best way to say it, um, since the trade deadline. And except for Miles Michaelis getting blasted in Colorado, which is just one of those things that happens, yeah. I guess, um, we've seen some really solid starting pitching and maybe even better than solid starting pitching, including the newcomers. Um, and that... I mean, that just has to help you feel a lot better about this team as well. Yeah, I think whereas I just described this series win against the Brewers as feeling like a victory, what you just described about the starting rotation does feel like a sigh of relief. <laughs> it feels very much like, okay, all right, <laughs> we have we can reset, we can put people where they need to be. Um, and it allows you to, with certain days off, skip a Dakota Hudson start because maybe mm. that's not in your best interest at this point, right? right. Um, so you can go into a series right now feeling really good about your top two guys in Miles Michaelis and Adam Wainwright, who were phenomenal against mm-hmm. the Brewers. I mean, n- and nearly impossible to ask for anything more out of them against the only real division threat at this point. Um, and then with both Quintana and Montgomery, I don't know that you could have asked for more in their 
first two times through the rotation as the new guys. Um, I think, look, I think pitching in a ballpark like Bush is going to help both of them and playing with a solid defense behind them is certainly going to help, but they have done their part and then some to prove that this wasn't just a reclamation project kind of move by John Mozeliak and company. These are two legitimate arms that can help push those Cardinals, push the Cardinals through this last, like you said, six weeks or so of the season in a division race. And you don't feel like, well, they have to outperform anything they've ever done the rest of the season in Mm -hmm. order to make this worth it. You see what they're capable of and you go, okay, all right, I can get behind this. (laughs) I can, I can see this as, as a a good move and um, a good reset for this rotation that desperately needed a little bit of length. And, you know, maybe we're seeing the advantage of that when you get really good deep starts by Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis. Um, and then if Quintana doesn't go six innings, it's really not that big of a deal because um, the bullpen in theory is quite rested at that point and you can put everybody in the position that they need to be in. So I don't know that there's a way to be happier about those acquisitions um, unless they were like we said last week, unless it, there had been a Juan Soto version of a starting pitcher out there. And I don't think there was that was available mm-hmm. to anyone. So huge boost to a a pitching staff that still has some issues, particularly bullpen issues that need to be sorted out. And, uh, you know, just like Marmol can say he left a young in a spot to hopefully create some confidence. uh, The bullpen decisions as of late have been a bit odd. Um, So maybe they're still reworking what some of those roles look like now that they don't have to depend to depend on them in the, you know, fourth and fifth inning as opposed to the sixth Mm -hmm. and seventh. Yeah. It really feels like right now, especially for late innings, Marmol is not necessarily trusting anybody, but Ryan Helsley, which is a little bit, I mean, a little bit scary, but a little bit honest. I mean, for him to pitch two innings in the first game against the Brewers was I thought very interesting, especially, you know, I know he hadn't pitched. Uh, I, I can't remember. Did he pitch in that? He didn't have to pitch in the Colorado series, did he? I don't believe. He lost so. two of the games. I can't remember. If he, I don't think he pitched that middle. I think Pallante so. got out of, the, out of the, or Stratton got out of the jam in the middle game. So, so maybe because he was rested, he could go through innings there. To be there, fair, but, I think Stratton's sort of part of the problem right now because they don't quite yeah. have that figured out. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, in terms of what, buttons to push or tweaks to make or where to utilize him most effectively. So I think that's part of the sort of juggling that we're seeing, but you're right. Not a lot of trust in those late innings at this point. Right. And I mean, to be fair, you know, Stratton has a ridiculous BABIP right now. I mean, (laughs) I think it was like 700. I mean, just numbers that don't hold. I mean, it's going to, I mean, even if it dropped to 500, it'd be way over and, you know, he's going to get, some balls hit at people instead of finding all these holes. So hopefully that settles down and helps some, but you're right. I mean, you don't have a whole lot of, there's some trust in Giovanni Gallegos, but not necessarily a whole lot. Not like it was a couple of years ago. Um, and this is probably not an extra innings with a free base runner. That well, that doesn't seem like a best case scenario for Gio I don't right trust now. anybody with the base, <laughs> with the extra innings with an extra base runner, except maybe Ryan Helsley, who was unavailable that night. Um, because I mean, you put that extra base runner on, it doesn't take anything to get them in, no. you know, 
broken bat flare over the infield uh, and you could score the guy. So yeah. yeah, that's not what he gave up, but, um, but again, uh, some of that may have been a little bit on Corey Dickerson too, which, you know, reading, <laughs> right. reading the articles, you know, they didn't want Corey Dickerson in there cause he was hurting. So, you know, it's kind of a cascade effect, but right. I think that, you know, it's interesting cause you do read, you know, Marmol saying, Hey, look, I, you know, you ran, you put Pujols out there against lefty, uh, you know, trying to win the game right there. And, you know, I think he's probably been a little bit more aggressive as a manager than we've seen over the last couple of years. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you gotta, I mean, sometimes you have to just, you know, deal with the consequences if it doesn't work out, but I think I'd rather see them, you know, take a shot at it versus, you know, holding a guy back for just the perfect time that may or may not come. Yeah. It's, again, a little bit the inverse of what we've said so many times where a bad decision works out okay and then sort of solidifies, <laughs> hey, this was a good decision. No, it was still a bad decision. It just worked out in your favor, so it makes it look less bad. Uh, it's sort of the inverse of that, right? Where sometimes right. the right decision still doesn't work out, but by all accounts, it was a, a defensible a decision to make. And I, I think some of that is what we've seen with Marmol. There have been, like I said, bullpen instances where maybe it's because of information we don't have in mm -hmm. terms of who's available and who's not and that sort of thing uh, that are a little questionable. <laughs> but um, yeah, in situations like that, where it... it it at least makes sense, right? And I think mm. maybe there's a little bit of a learning curve for fans, too, watching a new manager who doesn't do everything exactly like his predecessor or the guy before that, um, to to be able to say, I didn't agree with that, and then hear his explanation and go, oh, okay, well, at least that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have to like it, but I can at least uh, agree that it made sense. And sometimes even the right decision doesn't work out like you're hoping it will because that's baseball and there's a lot of failure in this game, even mm -hmm. for managers and the decisions they make. So I would agree with that. I, I think I would prefer to see, I mean, everybody would rather be lucky than good. Right. But I think right. I would prefer to see the, the best decision being made and then letting the consequences be what they are rather than feeling like a couple of, ill-informed decisions worked out which just then sort of justifies more of the nonsense later on right yeah because you might get the right answer as it were in one game right but you're gonna get the wrong answer in 10 more because yes. of that <laughs> um and that's you know whereas if you you do the right process and i think that's you know that is what baseball has gone to overall not just the cardinals but you know really trusting hey this is our philosophy this is what we're seeing analytical and if it doesn't work here you know if a guy you know hits into the shift when he shouldn't have okay because the next time he's not going to or the two times yeah. after that they're not going to so well and i, um, I think there is still a, a bit of a feel to that right that right. is the reason that albert pujols did bat against the right-handed reliever earlier in sunday's mm -hmm. game and then was still in the game to hit against the lefty later i mean you could have been too aggressive in that earlier moment and said, oh, okay, well, the matchup says, analytics say, but being able to think far enough ahead to say, okay, this is one at bat. What's the one that's going to matter the most? Are we going to get around to this spot again? And what is the likelihood? You know, there's, it's, it's right. that, that right. chess game that is a lot of analytics and 
still some feel, some, you know, perspective from the manager saying, I really think we're going to end up in this position and then it's going to be to our advantage to have this option as opposed to eliminating that option later by doing this thing now. That's why none of us get paid to make those decisions, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of kind of glad we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Although the paycheck would kind of be nice. True, I, true. I'm not going to argue yeah. that. I could make like I can manage for like maybe two days, and then I'd probably get fired. But I'd at least have a good bit of money to put away. So yeah, that. I'd take that. That's right. Um, Cardinals do have three more games at home this time with the Rockies. Um, versus before going to Arizona over the weekend, you know, playing the Rockies in Bush is a lot different than playing the Rockies in Colorado. And I think, I think somebody pointed out the last six, seven years, they've won every time the call, every series of at Bush against the Rockies swept a lot of them. I get a little concerned just going out to Arizona. It feels like we have some weird games out <laughs> in Arizona at times, you know, the games that you should win and you don't. So I, even though the Arizona has struggled this year, you know, I, I don't know that I completely want to just pencil in a, a series win there, even though I think they should. No, they absolutely should. But you're also absolutely right. Weird stuff happens to this team in Arizona <laughs> and uh, stuff that it's just like, well, that's that's going to take some time to recover from. Um, and it doesn't feel comfortable. It's another place that just doesn't feel comfortable, I think, yeah. uh, for the Cardinals in the last several years. Um, th this is a team that certainly based on the the results they've collected this season should be able to play the Diamondbacks anywhere <laughs> and have a series win but um not necessarily the case uh in Arizona and I don't know what the reason is for that but I, I don't I don't know I don't ever feel great about it <laughs> uh on the flip side the, the Brewers get the Dodgers at home for four so there's at least yep one day that the Cardinals could gain a half a game or lose half a game because they don't play on Monday. Uh, and then they, they go to uh, Wrigley for the Cubs series. So, you know, there's a chance to spread a little bit of room, but we've said that last week when the Cardinals went out to, to Colorado and uh, wound up losing a little bit of, of room on the Brewer. So I don't feel like, I mean, I know we said this all the time and I don't think it's anything's changed. This is a, this is a race that's probably going to go down to late September or into October, perhaps. Um, it's not likely to ever going to get a five or six game lead on them and feel comfortable. No, I I don't see this as a race that's going to get out of hand. Um, just in part because of the the time left in the season and the number of times these teams either play each other or play really tough competition and then have a stretch of you know, under 500 teams in between. It's sort of all or nothing in terms of the competition level at this point. So a lot of ways that that can go, but it doesn't to me look like, you know, the Cardinals are going to end up with this five, six, seven game lead. Um, and it also, I wouldn't imagine that the Cardinals are going to just fall off the face of the map either. Right. And the Brewers right. are going to jump back up into a, a comfortable padded lead there either so uh it's we're in for a ride that's for sure yeah this is true now after we've said that watch next week they'll be up by five or something like that yeah. and we'll be completely wrong. that's fine but we will find out when we will be with you next week after all this so until then for tara i'm daniel good night hey cardinals fans thanks for listening to this week's show if you liked what you heard you can find us on itunes 
Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.